Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. It is a beautiful Wednesday here in Seattle. I'm loving the summer so far. I hope it lasts longer, but you know it never does. So, uh, but it's going to be a good episode today. We have Charlotte Dunford with us from Johns Creek Capital. Uh, Charlotte does mobile home parks, which is great. Um, you guys know I own a couple of those. Really like the asset. So I'm super excited to dive in. Charlotte, thank you very much for hopping on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, I told you before we got here, we like to start with stories. So take us to the beginning of your story. How'd you get started in real estate? Right. So well, the beginning of my story actually started uh, when I came to the United States at the age of 16 from China. That's where I was born and raised for 16 years and came here for high school. Um, my parents didn't come with me, which is myself. Um, I pretty much applied for a high school online, got in, never met the high school, never met the host family, but they arranged me with the host family. So I hopped on the plane and flew to Philadelphia. Um, that was 16 Philly, years old. interesting. Yeah. Why, uh, why did you choose Philly? It was just the first school that accepted me. Oh, okay. I didn't understand <laughs> anything about the United States. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could have been Salt Lake City. It could have been Seattle. Yeah. I was going to say, you just you really know. like cheese. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's a, something I developed later on, right? So uh, so I came to the United States as a teen, um, didn't speak English, had to learn everything from scratch, but uh, I decided to really, um, I made, you know, blending in or joining the American society as something that I, I was passionate about. I was determined that I had to do that. I wasn't going to be one of those people who have been there for 45 years and don't speak English, that kind of person. So I, I came early and I, I made that a goal and I uh, developed a love for cheeseburgers and hot dogs and all the good American <laughs> stuff. And the American Apple pie and baseball. Exactly. <laughs> so America the country as well. So, and also the love for real estate. So um, and then I graduated, uh, went out to college uh, here uh, in Georgia, which is why I came to Georgia. I uh, went to Georgia Institute of Technology, one of the top engineering schools in uh, in the South, definitely um, actually in the nation as well. We call ourselves the MIT in the South and, you know, <laughs> um, or MIT is the Georgia Tech up, up North, right? So. Uh, so I graduated uh, at Georgia Tech, uh, moved on to our my, my first uh, job out of college as a business analyst. I started buying real estate on the side using my salary to finance. However, as you can imagine, as a fresh grad of college, it was difficult to finance lots of real estate and difficult to scale up just based on your salary. Despite of getting promotions and raises, it's impossible to keep up with you, my ambition of scaling uh, based on my salary raises, right? So um, after one single family home in the south of Atlanta and another um, duplex up in North Georgia, both performed pretty well, I decided to um, I decided to take the jump to uh, starting my own private equity firm uh, because of my business background, small business background at the time when I graduated from college and my experience working as a business analyst. So it was a big jump for me, particularly because I, um, like I said, I graduated college at that time about two years 
ago, uh, two years at the time, right? Um, and my husband at the time I was married and at, at the time was still in school at Georgia Tech studying computer science and he did not graduate yet. So that was a, quite a risky move for me. It wasn't like I had an entire 401k or entire savings account of millions of dollars, you know, saving, uh, waiting for me to launch this venture. But I was 24 and bold and wanted to uh, do something great. So fast forward a few years later to um, 29 now, five years later. So I, um, I have 28 mobile home parks and um, lots of really great investors on board, our, our, our clients and growing more and um, continue to uh, expand in this landscape. Nice. I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, coming from a new country, it sounds like you did not speak the language. You didn't speak English when you came over here. Very little. It's, it's as if you took some Spanish in high school and you, you say you speak Spanish kind of right. thing. No, <laughs> Even now, right? I lived in uh, in Spain and in um, uh, El Salvador for a little bit. And, you know, oh, you I, did? I, I, I like people hear me speak Spanish and they're like, oh, you speak Spanish. I'm like, no, I do not speak Spanish. Oh, yeah. I, I, I understand Spanish, but it's just I could only imagine it's coming different. from a new country and then trying yeah. to establish yourself. Right, you know, in your education and your career, all that. Um, So it shows you got a lot of grit. You got a lot of uh, ability to push through obstacles, which is super necessary in real estate because obstacles come every single day. Um, Absolutely, yeah. So uh, why? Let me ask. Why did you choose mobile home parks? So when I tried to get in, I wanted to do. You know, I started with a single family home and a duplex, but I wanted to get in multifamily. So I thought that was. They're really fancy and nice, glorious thing to do, right? Everybody wanted to get in there. However, I quickly realized that when I talked to brokers and the sellers, they wouldn't even talk to you unless you have 30 years of experience or have huge, hefty amount of cash on hand. So for me at the time, it just was not really possible. And I also thought too much competition. You know, one of my, my favorite book of all time, uh, Zero to One by Peter Thiel, he talks about this blue ocean strategy. He talks about the, you know, um, the only reason businesses fail is they uh, they fail to escape competition because there's co- too much competition in the race at the bottom. So I refuse to be in the saturated space that's overheated. You're buying stuff at three, four caps, and it's just extremely difficult to to get a good deal. So I'm all about making a good deal. So at the time, I. I would say stumble upon. Yeah, I, I looked, you know, I listened to podcasts. I, I listened, you know, I read books and I, um, you know, I discovered mobile home parks as a kind of a forgotten, you kind of ignored at the time. Now it's getting hotter, but the ignored space and there's a lot of meat on the bone. And um, yeah, that's how I felt mobile home parks. That's why I decided right. to go to the blue ocean. Yeah. Um, I, I, w- I don't know if I would say uh, mobile home parks are bluish ocean these days. I know, uh, you know, we we still look for mobile home parks and um, cap rates are getting compressed pretty much everywhere, which is, uh, you know, that happens when you got a lot of capital out there. So, yeah. Um, so you got you just chose mobile home parks because there was less competition than in the multifamily space. Totally makes sense. There's right. still a lot of demand for uh, for housing out there. So mobile home parks are still a needed commodity on the or, uh, asset in uh, in the world. Um, at what point or what was your buying criteria when you first started? Like, what were you guys looking for? What metros were you looking at? So, uh, well, nowadays we have gotten 28 mobile home parks and yeah. we kind of look at the deals that are working exceptionally well, um, and see what is going on with them or why they're working so well. Um, and I kind of, we look at them and see what, what did we do right? 
and we found that there there um you know now about 20 different parameters that we look at and um we pretty much have a proprietary algorithm that we develop inside John's Creek Capital to qualify these deals. And we have a way to finding the small to medium level mobile home parks, not just the you know, big over 200 paths mobile home parks that everybody wants to chase everybody after. Wants, yeah. Always in Blue Ocean, we want a smaller one. So for example, there's one that we got um, a 20 lot park that we you know, completed full cycle of uh, last year. Um, and that one had a project level internal rate of return of almost 25%. I think it's 26. So it's very high. Um, so, you know, it, so, so we're all about getting good deals. So as far as the parameter, some of the major ones, number one is tenant owned homes, mm. right? The mobile home park is a parking lot business. You think of it as a parking lot. Another way to think of it is an HOA or neighborhood. So um, you're not really, you know, in the rental business you're not renting the homes you don't want to get into the repairing a car right so you're in the parking lot so you're running on the dirt underneath the home so that's number one you want to stick with what the asset class is that that's the thing that most frustrates me about getting deals from brokers is they include the tenant owned home rent in the cap you know the cap rate equation and so they Yeah. yeah park owned home rent and so, um, you know, they'll put out their their OM and they'll say like, this is a 14 cap mobile home park. And I'm looking at it and like, this is not a 14 cap. All this, all well, this rent's yeah, going yeah. buy it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, th- and that's what brokers are there for. They're there to sell deal. And if you don't any, you don't know anything, then you're going to fall for it, right? So, yeah. but for us, you know, it's important to only look at the 10 own homes and uh, this number one, and then utility structure, right? The biggest money maker we, we, we think is rent increases because they're really, behind in a lot of a lot of the homes and you know you, you want to make sure you raise rent for your mobile home park lot rent and number two uh the ma- biggest money loser is utilities so you want to make sure the utility lines are are intact and they're good you want to make sure you do a camera job you want to do whatever inspections you need and then in, in, the infrastructure of utilities are important so we prefer public utilities preferably submitted and build back the tenants um whenever the brokerage, well, whatever the OAM says, you know, uh, um, utilities included in rent. That just means that park is paying utilities and is a really difficult situation to handle, right? So you have to decipher, you have to learn how, how to decipher um, what what it actually means, right? So it's almost a different different language. It's a code that you have to understand when you're reading an OAM. And that comes from experience. Yeah. Um, so when you guys, let's say there's a park, uh, you know, utilities you cl- included, quote unquote, in the rent, um, do you guys uh, go there and submeter each each lot when you buy the park? Do you put on, I can't remember what those little little things are in the, um, you can buy kits that you put onto the, like the water mm-hmm. spout and it'll submeter it individually, quote unquote. Do you guys do that or do you just let leave it and then base your underwriting on the the rent itself? You know, it, it depends on the tenant base. We found the most um, effective just raising the rent and really mm-hmm. let the utilities include yeah. their rent because you're going to tell them that, hey, we're going to build back the utilities and tenants are going to be saying, well, I didn't use water. How comes I get, you know, build the rent? Yeah. Because yeah. if you don't have meter, and sub meter is another big project, right? If you got the budget for it and then the math makes sense, go ahead and do it. And that is the value add, um, you know, pretty solid value add strategy. But I would say, you know, the most effective one and the, the one that received the, the least um, backfire was um, 
just raising rent. Just raising rent, yeah. Maybe because yeah. you know they're already accustomed to that model, and you can't tell them at the landlord you can you can raise rent. So you gotta you gotta maneuver carefully in that in that in that space. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we uh, that's what we ultimately decided. Just because um, it was just a lot easier just to raise the rent a little bit, and we got a lot less pushback than if we exactly. said, "Okay, now you're getting you <laughs> were billing back yeah. the utilities, all this stuff." Um, so yeah, makes a lot of sense. Uh, when you're talking about repairs, when you're buying a park, what are the the most common things that you guys are underwriting for capex? So uh, the repairs we would say is well, number one, utilities. Utility lines, um, those are probably the most expensive item. So utility lines, um, number one. And number two, road work. Um, okay. number three, do you, you guys know, pave if it's not, if it's like gravel, do you guys pave the roads? Or? We, we don't really repave the roads completely. Um, it just makes the project a lot bigger. And it, I don't know if it is enough. Really expensive. Yeah, we would yeah. rather spend that budget on infilling. If you really want to drive revenue, you want to infill. You know, infilling, uh, for those listeners who don't understand, you know, who probably haven't invested uh, in mobile home, infilling is just, there are different ways to infill, right? You can buy a new park on home and bring it to your park and sell it off to a tenant on a rent credit program, or you can sell it to them straight, or you can advertise a lot and pay them, pay some block prep fees and for those um, tenants to move their homes in because again you're a parking lot you're an hoa you're a neighborhood right so you run this neighborhood you want to make sure that the neighborhood is attractive and comfortable for the tenants to live in so they don't want to leave they want to move to your park we actually have parks that tenants just you know want to apply and live in and buy their own home and move in here so that's the most cost effective way and most lucrative way of making money make money through infilling um so uh, so and and you know capex you know road work and utilities i would say those are the big biggest ticket items. Yeah. Um, and do you guys prefer to buy, you know, park models, bring them in, or do you guys like to market and try to see if you can get people to bring their own mobile home parks into your park? Oh, we, we definitely like advertising the lots. And yeah. I think especially nowadays, uh, inventory for mobile homes are so low mm. and that drives the price up. It, it, it's not really economically feasible or yeah. Really not especially transportation costs. Yeah, yeah. A moving fee is ten thousand dollars alone, and if you get a really trashy uh, home, um, then that's another headache. Why would you want that, right? So, you know, there are always exceptions to the rule, but I would just say, you know, a a mobile home park is a business. If you if you invest in real estate, it's a business. A duplex is a business. If you rent out your single family home, it's a business. So you, you got to understand, you know, what kind of clientele you're serving and how that business works um, to judge it case by case. But I would say in general, it's much better to advertise yep. a lot because let it let the asset do what, what it needs to do. Parking lot. Yep. Um, all right. One last question on the mobile home front. You uh, you've already touched on this a little bit. You mentioned that um, raising rents, that's the biggest value add that you guys, uh, you know, when you buy a park, you're looking at the market rents. Is it under market? Great. This is a, this is a good value add that we can do. Are there any other value add strategies that you have when you go into underwriting the deal? Right. So, you know, the deal, you have to buy a great deal to start with, right? It has great infrastructure. That's number one. It all boils down to that. After that, it's too late. Um, so as far as raising the rent, you have to make certain improvements, cosmetic improvements to improve the curb appeal, get a new sign, add white fences to the park to make it a more homey feeling country feel for the mobile home park. Um, so you can't just, well, you can do that, but you may have some pushback. Yeah, pushback. You just want to raise rent like crazy. So you want to make improvements. You want to uh, enforce 
uh, park rules and regulations because a lot of park residents, they have really unruly tenants, neighbors they don't like. You know how in a mobile home park that can totally be an issue that you want to enforce your rules. So it, it makes it a better place for everybody to live in. So that's the market. That's how you can make improvement to establish stronger management and operations. And uh, another thing, you know, and then the third thing is infilling. Infilling is very effective. Sometimes can be expensive, but uh, probably the most lucrative way to make money um, is is infilling to drive your revenue significantly up. And ultimately, you want your value of the park to be up, right? So it's all about your NOI, net operating income. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we learned the importance of good management um, at the very beginning when we bought these parks. They uh, we had not not great property management in place, and then we got a really good property manager who's who we have now. She's absolutely kick ass. Um, and the difference between having a bad one versus having a good one is just night and day. Um, I mean, enforcing the rules, uh, you know, having a good relationship with the tenants for the property manager can make such a big difference. Um, for the tenants experience, you know, at the park, um, all those things. Do you guys have any, uh, any tips, any guidelines that you kind of follow when you look for a property manager or um, when you think about management of the property itself? So we, we manage everything in house. My partner is the property manager. We, oh, wow. Yeah. 28 parks. Wow. Right. So, but we're, we're in the smaller park space, right? So it's, Mm. it's just, it makes more sense for us. We're in a different game really. So we kind of a, uh, yeah. So my par- my partner manages uh, is the property manager. So there are certain rules and regulations that we follow. Um, so as far as looking for any kind of contractors, and you know, we always have a local watch person per se to yeah. you know, look a over boots the on the ground kind of person. Build that kind of you know operation. And we do make site visits, but but for that kind of um, boots on the ground, we do hire assemble a team. That during due diligence or shortly after and shortly after acquisition, we build a team that you know can serve the part, the repair people, city officials, local authorities, contractors. You know they, you know, you do look for qualities like you would look for any kind of corporate employee. You know, reliable, uh, charge, um, you know, good prices for what they do. You know, it, they deliver more value than you know than than what you pay them. Obviously, you know, so it's it's all about hiring the right people. Uh, you know, hire slowly and fire quickly, right? So you want to make sure that you get the right hire. Yeah, that is one of the hardest things about smaller properties is finding a somebody that can help you boots on the ground um, that still fits within, you know, a reasonable budget, essentially. Um, you know, we we also buy mobile or not mobile home parks, self storage facilities and smaller self storage f- facilities. We have a huge, yeah. uh, a, a big issue finding help that we can that is still at a price point that makes sense um, for the the net income that we're trying to generate. So, uh, yeah. yeah, do you guys look on Craigslist? What's your best way to find? Uh... <laughs> yeah, we we, we, we Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, Craigslist. Uh, no, no, we actually don't. Uh, that, oh no, that... okay. No, yeah. So we have uh, problem. So you know, a lot of those small, you know, mobile home parks uh, in areas where people are not very techy. Uh, like mm. me, I graduated from Georgia Tech. It was extremely techy, and um, the, you know, so we usually go by referrals, and we okay. um, you, you ask know, people in the park, the, hey, who's, local, who's trustworthy? You know, Chamber of Commerce. Um, you know, well, people in the park maybe it's one source, but it's not probably not the only source. So we, you know, we when you're doing due diligence, right? You hire contractors to inspect the park, and that's a good source. So okay. you know, you just want to go in a way where the locals uh, do, right? So because if you operate 
smaller parks with the mindset of you know bigger parks and you know you have to find you know um people charging high prices then you're probably out of game it's not really it's not good for business so for, for us it, you just have to find the fit for for you and the way you find it is different from the way you find it for other things because why would it be the same it wouldn't yeah. be the same because it's, it's a different animal yep. so i would say local referrals um would be the best cool i love it all right i just took a peek at the clock it looks like we have run it down so it's time to jump into the quick question round are you ready yep let's do it let's do it starts with books or any form of education i need two recommendations give me one for general life wisdom and one for real estate or business specific well one is my whole type favorite zero to one by peter deal uh one uh for generous wisdom is called traction traction yep i've heard of that i haven't read it yet but i've heard good things the best book ever there you go all right next question is for your younger self so let's go back to the charlotte who had zero experience she was just coming over from china just stepped off the uh off the plane in georgia oh no pittsburgh just stepped off the plane in pittsburgh yeah or philadelphia yeah there you go um go back to her look her in the eye give her one piece of advice moving forward relax it's gonna be fine (laughs) <laughs> nice that nobody said that yet but i feel like that's really good advice especially for your younger self uh, when we're younger it's so easy to just get like stressed out about making progress um but you know the, the key is just to put one foot in front of the other over a number of years and if you just keep going forward you're going to get to where you want to go just just chill out <laughs> i'd probably say that same thing to my younger self too yeah All right. Next question is about your business. Uh, The first three positions we hire form the foundation of our business. So what were the first three positions for you? And would you do it differently if you did it again today? So number one would be accounting, accounting department, tax, um, you know, accounting person. Number two was a a compliance officer because we operate in so many different states. We require permitting, you know, foreign registration, not foreign as a foreigner in other country, but different states, right? Foreign registration was so annoying. All those those things. Someone to handle that who has the legal background. And number three is your uh, attorney. Okay. I love it. Because we offer uh, in the private equity, they understand SEC regulations. That's extremely important. You don't want to get in trouble with that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next question is about the US. A lot of opportunity out there. Um, give me the single metro that you're most excited about investing in today. Wow, that's a good one. Tampa, Florida. Tampa, okay. Um, you know, people have said every city in Florida, Florida seems to be very hot, but not many people have been saying Tampa. What specifically about Tampa are you excited about? You know, I think it just has so many different, um, you know, it's a solid metro. It has Mm. a huge population and um, it has, I think Tampa just has all the requirements that's that's met, you know, 100,000, you know, at least 100,000 in population and job growth, economic growth and diversity in, in, in in, in employers. Um, and it's particularly for mobile home parks. I think that is a great area, right? So if you say Manhattan, you know, it's probably not the best place for mobile home parks. <laughs> True, because there are no. <laughs> so it's different. So you choose your market based on your asset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tampa, man, I'm I'm brain farting. Is that that's the south of uh, Florida, right? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, cool. All right. Next question is about lead generation at all. Um, you know, every deal starts with finding the deal in the first place. So what's your guys's favorite way of finding good deals? Building relationships with brokers and sellers. And sellers. Okay. Real estate is 
is and probably will be a relationship business and technology advances. You want to make sure that we we are developing internal algorithms to to match that. Make sure that you know from that that's number one. And from two number two, online perspective, you want to be able to reach to all these people. So as technology advances, as AI technology advances, we want to make sure that we, we know how to use that. Uh, that's going to be the next few decades. That's yeah, man, I uh, I consider myself relatively techy, and I still haven't even I haven't even thought about adding AI to my business. I'm just like, whatever. I'll, well, <laughs> I'm sure somebody will come up with a solution. Register just... register a ChatGPT account. You'll be amazed by it. I <laughs> yeah, I've played around with ChatGPT. I just yeah. haven't really thought of. Uh, I mean, I guess you can school me right now. What are some <laughs> good applications for AI um, in your mobile home park business? Well, right now there's well the AIs they're not mature enough yet. To really mm-hmm. implement in the business, but okay. what we want to do is that to implement that methodology. Uh, for example, training our algorithm. A lot of big investment banks like Goldman Sachs and a lot of really like Blackstone Group, you know, they're training their own AI models, mm-hmm. their own software, so that it, it trains them with financial data again and again and again. It builds an algorithm to help them source deals. It does it better, faster than any humans would ever do. And oh, then, okay. So you're just you're just talking about building an algorithm. Analysis. Yeah, an AI that can right. Count. And when the technology become, becomes more mature, I'm sure there will be tech, uh, be, be a software that's for that. That's very for underwriting. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. For underwriting, um, and they're already doing that, and that's probably their core technology. And they probably wouldn't hire as many financial analysts anymore. <laughs> Poor financial analysts, so sad. Oh, there will be new jobs, right? New jobs. Yeah, yeah. They'll all be AI Running analysts them. going forward. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, uh, last question. This is for the listeners. Um, you've given us a lot to think about. I'm sure people want to reach out, get in contact with you. What is the best way for them to do that? The best way is to go to our website at johnscreekcapital.com. I'm sure you have that in our show notes. And uh, also, you can email me directly, email us directly at info at johnscreekcapital.com. Perfect. Um, as uh, Charlotte mentioned, we will be putting that in our show notes. So if you guys want to reach out, just click a little more in the description. It'll pull down that full description in there. You can find uh, Charlotte's link. All right. That wraps it up. Charlotte, thank you very much for hopping on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe at the real estate investing club.com. And as always, if you guys want to support the show, all we ask is you, is you give us a like, subscribe, share all that jazz. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.